Welcome to the Freedom Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are investing in your relationship with the Lord by listening to this message. Check out our YouTube channel for a complete log of all of our sermons. If you would like to know more about FC, visit our website at www.freedomfamily.us. God bless and remember that the best is yet to come. It's good to see you all. Thank you so much. You may be seated. (laughs) So good to be here. And uh, Shelly and I are excited to see all of you. This is a place we love, and a church family, uh, church pastor and Miss Shanda, we love them so much, been very good friends, and, and our past, all pastors need pastors, and he's our pastor. And so I appreciate that very much, appreciate the opportunity to come back. A little jealous that I'm not in Israel, uh, <clears throat> but I wasn't asked. And, um, <laughs> but it's like Paul said, you know, I'd, 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 I feel like I want to go to heaven, but it's, it's, this is just... Good to be here as well. I don't know which one. To, so I'm glad to be here, and, uh, and I'm glad they're in Israel and really honestly having a life-changing experience. And so uh, great to see you all so very, very much. Uh, Pastor asked me to close out this series of messages you've been in, and it has been a kind of a power-packed uh, series. The question of why is always hard to decipher all kinds of areas. Why doesn't God answer my prayer? Why doesn't God, uh, why does God allow you know bad things happen to good people and all that stuff? Uh, and we're going to continue on that uh, vein here today. Uh, when you have so much time spent trying to figure out all the whys, it causes you to kind of step back and wonder about God. And is he, is he worthy of trust anymore? Is this something I can continue? You know, but there are a lot of why questions. I want to share with you some of the why questions I have a problem with. For instance, why is the word abbreviated so long? I don't get it. Um, evidently, you got to figure it out. That's good. Uh, why do doctors call it a practice? I mean, that makes me nervous. And, uh, you know, things like that. Why isn't there a, a mouse-flavored, you know, cat food? Uh, I don't get that. There's a fish-flavored cat food, from what I understand. And um, I have a favorite cat here in Gallatin. His name is Major Tom. Major Tom would have liked that joke, by the way. If you know him, he has a dark sense of humor. And, and he would have appreciated that a lot more than you, evidently. So um, here's my premise. There's a lot of difficult questions in life. There's a lot of difficult why questions. And I'm going to take you to the book of Habakkuk today. And I'm going to give you time to get there because it'll probably take you six, seven minutes to figure out what did he just say. Uh, the word is Habakkuk. It's a book in the Bible in the Old Testament. And it's just three chapters, 56 verses. Uh, it's going to be verse by verse, right? So we're going to have the best three hours of your week about happening right now, all right? So turn your Bibles to Habakkuk chapter 1. Now, here's what I want you to know about Habakkuk. He is a prophet, and we know that prophets get messages from God, and they deliver them to the people of God. Habakkuk, at least this book, is not like that. This little, small, three-chapter book is a dialogue back and forth between Habakkuk and God. And Habakkuk's part is the why question. He's complaining, he's doubting, he's wondering, and he's filled with passion and emotion because this is a real thing. It's not a flippant, why God did you do that, this, that, and the other. He's very, very connected to his people, and he is struggling. And we're going to talk about this in the book of Habakkuk. We're going to talk about how God answered him and the fact that he didn't like what God had to say. And it's a little bit of back and forth. There wasn't a message for the people. It was just this dialogue uh, with, the, with Habakkuk. So 
first four verses of Habakkuk chapter 1. Watch your screens here, and if you have your notes, you can grab those on the app. You can go to the version and just look at the Word of God here. This is the message that the prophet, prophet Habakkuk received in a vision. And here's what he said. And this is Habakkuk speaking. How long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you don't listen? Violence is everywhere. I cry, but you don't come to save. Must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all this misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. I'm surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. The law has become paralyzed, and there's no justice in the courts. The wicked far outnumber the righteous, so that justice has become perverted. Now, that is pretty amazing because it sounds like he's here today, right? He sounds like that's a little bit of a commentary on the world that we live in. But, but this is the time he lived, and then he wrote in the year 605 B.C., so like 2,600 years ago, he was feeling this way. And once again, I want you to know how sincere and how engaged he is with emotion and passion and love for his people and for God. And, and it's spurring some very difficult struggles in his life. So join me in prayer and we'll get going here on this book of, of Habakkuk. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Father, we are very grateful for your word. Your word, the scripture says, gives us light, you know, for our path. And we can see and we can go and we... You can show us your ways and we can walk in them. Lord, our desire is to understand, to know, and, and Lord, that your spirit would draw us to Jesus in closer intimacy and joy and peace. Father, there are a lot of uh, situations in life that just blow our minds and we're not sure about and we, we don't get. But I pray once again that you would remind us, Lord, that you are sovereign, that you are still on your throne. So bless our time together. Meet the needs of each one of our families here, Lord. We love them. We love our children. God bless them in the children's area and those who serve them here uh, today. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Now in the text, Habakkuk asks a couple questions. The first question he asks is in verse 2, How long, Lord, must I cry for help and you don't listen? And so that's an interesting way of starting a book. If I'm writing a book, I'm not going to start like that. But that's what tension getter, and that's what he does. Let's look at it. Have you ever felt like this? Have you ever felt like Habakkuk is feeling, God, I need help. God, you said you'd help. God, you said you'd answer prayers. Oh, then I pray for help. And then you don't help. But I don't get this. How come I pray and nothing happens? I felt that way before. I've prayed for things. I thought they were in line with God's word. I thought it was in line with God's will, and yet at times, nothing happens. I felt that way. I'm sure you felt this way as well. It happens to all of us, and eventually, we start praying. We start asking, does God care? Is he paying attention to what's going on? Is he even interested in my situation? Is he listening? God, how come, why is it that someone else prays, and it seems like you do things immediately, and I pray, and you don't do anything? God, I, 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 why is it that I try to raise my kids according to your word? Now, my kids are messed up, but that guy over there, he's a lousy dad, you know, and, 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 and he, he don't even take his kids to church, but look at those. Kids are doing fine. How, how come I try to do what your word says financially, and I'm struggling trying to make ends meet, and my neighbor here, I mean, he doesn't even believe in you, God, and he's prospering. How come I got these headaches that won't go away? How come I get uh, uh, battling, you know, depression? How come someone I love is having a hard time? How come you can do something about it, God, and you don't seem to be interested? I don't get that. And why aren't you listening? 
So that's Habakkuk's first question. Once again, a great way to start a book. In the second part of verse 2, he makes a pretty strong and intense and emotional statement. He says this, violence is everywhere. He says, I cry, but you do not come to save. So Habakkuk says, God, I don't know if you've noticed, but the bad guys are winning. The bad guys are winning. There's violence. They're getting away with it. There's crime. There's murder. There's rape, theft, and nobody's getting punished for it. There's no justice. God, surely, surely you see, you know, that people are being harmed. And I cry out, begging you to get involved. Stop the violence. Stop the sin. And you don't show up and you don't fix it. So again, he continues to cry out and bemoan and try to figure this out. Verse 3 of chapter 1, must I forever see these evil deeds? Must I watch all of this misery? In, in other words, God, I mean, how long, right? How long is this going to last? I'm exhausted. I'm sick of the injustice. I'm sick of the people doing bad stuff and getting away with it. I've been trusting you. I just don't know anymore. And and again, I think you've been there, we've all been there at different times. I think that will, I mean, as we unfold uh, this lesson here today, we'll, we'll have a clear understanding. It's different but similar, right? Just for emphasis, I want to finish his thought there as we already read verse 3 and 4. Whenever I look, I see destruction, I see violence, I'm surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. The law has become paralyzed and there's no justice in the courts. The wicked are outnumber the righteous so that justice has become perverted. So that's kind of a vomiting session, if you will, that Habakkuk had towards God. And so the question then becomes, how did God respond? How did God answer Habakkuk's complaining or, or you know, just his heartache? Well, uh, here's what he says. Uh, his answer, by the way, is, is something that you're not going to like. It's in verse number five. And essentially, he's going to say, yes, I see Habakkuk, yes, I hear. Yes, I'm engaged. I'm present here. I've got a plan, by the way. You're not going to like my plan, but, but let me just say something. The Lord replied, verse 5, Look around at the nations. Look and be amazed, for I am doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't believe even if I told you about it. I'm raising up the Babylonians, a cruel and violent people. They will march across the world and conquer other lands. Now, this is Habakkuk's story, all right? By the way, in Habakkuk's mind, here he goes with a pretty serious objection. Because the first thing that comes to his mind at this point is, the Babylonians? Are you kidding me? Those, those are the bad guys, God. Those are the enemies of Israel. Or actually, the nation is called Judah at this point in history. The Babylonians had already conquered most of the known world. And now they want to go after Judah. And God says, yes, I'm going to send them, actually. I'm going to send them to punish you. Verse number 7, by the way, the Babylonians, he says, they're notorious for their cruelty and do whatever they like. God says, oh yeah, Babylonians, they're bad. They're awful. So I'm going to send them to conquer you. That was God's plan. How about that? To apply justice. He's going to judge the Israelites for their rebellion and sin and immorality. And, God, and Habakkuk says, I'm sick of this. Would you do something? God says, I'm sick of it also. I agree. Habakkuk, Judah is wicked. Judah is out of control. I have to do something. Here's my plan. It has to do with justice. I'm going to punish their whole nation for their sin. I'm going to use the enemy nation to do it. I know all about what's been going on. I'm connected. I'm engaged. He's been waiting on Judah to turn away from their rebellion, to turn away from their sin and their wickedness, but it just hasn't 
happen. So God has been listening, and he does have a plan, even when those of us who do our, do our best to follow him don't see it or don't understand it. So let me show you uh, something in the New Testament book of James chapter 1. Way over in the New Testament book of James, James is, is the half-brother of Jesus, and he writes this book, and, and it's called James. In very chapter 1, he says something that's very familiar to each of you. Consider it all joy, brethren. Consider it joy when you encounter various trials in your life, various testings of your faith. He says, knowing the testing of your faith does something. It produces within you strength and endurance. Don't reject, don't turn away from some strengthening time, some times of testing. This is, let it play out. Now watch what he says here. It produces endurance. Let endurance have its perfect result, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. I want you to grow up into this. So you see there's a purpose behind this. God may lovingly allow you to go through a season of doubt and questionings and fears and insecurities and unanswered questions because in doing so, and listen carefully, in doing so, he can take you to a place, a better place. A place of deeper intimacy, deeper joy, and deeper trust than you presently experience that you could not get any other way. He can build strength in you, and he couldn't build it any other way. That's what's happening in the book of Habakkuk. Now, if you and I were just one-on-one today and sharing stories, we all have our stories We all have our experiences in life, and I have several that I can share with you that happen along the way, very similar to what you've experienced as well. Some of them were like speed bumps. Some of them were like brick walls. A couple speed bumps, let me show you real quick. Back in the day, I mean way back when I was a child, my father brought our family up in the church, and he led us in family devotions, and I was excited to know or to tell you that my father led me to Christ when I was eight years old, and it was a great thing, and yet some some storms came into our family, you know, and, and, and my parents' marriage fell apart and divorce happened and all the pain and suffering and anguish and hurt, you know, that kind of comes with that sort of thing. And, 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 and that can rock your world and rock uh, my world. But what I saw there, and I remember it like it was yesterday, I saw my mother uh, walk on her knees or just live on her knees crying out and begging God for help, and she expressed her faith in God. She expressed her trust in God, and so what happened in my life is I followed her lead and followed her model, and what ended up happening is the trust that we're talking about here, it wasn't so much of a breakdown for whatever reason except to say that I saw uh, my mother's faith, and I said, I'm going to follow her, and it helped me through all of that, you know, and so some tests are larger and bigger than others, and that was really hard and difficult, and yet it didn't shake the foundation of my faith. There was another one, I grew up playing ball and athletic all these years in high school, played baseball, came home one day from practice, my knee was swollen. Never happened before. Played a lot of ball, uh, uh, reckless, uh, you know, aggressive, a lot of fun, never got hurt, no problem, never thought about it. Uh, and yet there was a time when the knee was swollen. I didn't feel it. I didn't have any pain, or else, so I just kept kind of playing. That was kind of silly and stupid. But six knee surgeries later, three knee replacements, and the arthritis that was invading my body was degenerative, and it spread to my shoulders, and then I had both of my shoulders replaced. I'm bionic. I'm going to make a ruckus at the rapture, and you'll know exactly where I'm coming from, all right? And uh, so <clears throat> most of the pain is gone, and I'm all good. I feel good. I can walk. Um, and it shook me, but didn't break me. 
My point is to say again, I still trusted God. I worked on it hard through rehab. I mean, I gave it really a good go, and thank God I did, and, and it was successful. But I kept my faith in God. I kept my eyes on Jesus, and it was, it was a blow, right? But it wasn't that trust sort of thing. There was a situation that happened, however, that was a little bit different than my athletics and a little bit different than my family uh, struggles Back in the uh, 1990s, my mother retired, and we were so excited. Shelly and I were living in Virginia Beach, and we wanted her to come live with us. She was retired. She loved the ocean. She was from Ohio. She's kind of had a raw deal in life. We wanted to make her retirement just so special and so great, you know. And, and so she came down to live with us in Virginia Beach. And so um, it wasn't long after she moved that <clears throat> out of nowhere, well, I'm sure, you know, it probably doesn't really come out of nowhere, but she started with dementia. And then with dementia came Alzheimer's. And it was at a young age. It was early onset. And so we shifted into caretaker mode. And so when my mom fell into the disease of Alzheimer's for 10 years, 10 years, I I did some research, found out it was like a seven-year disease. I'm like, 10 years? You're kidding me. And so we walked through that, we prayed through that, we held strong together through that. Didn't really give it a whole lot of thought until the Lord took her home, and we felt like that was God's mercy And at that time, you know, and, and that's been seven or so years now. And, and so a couple years ago, it just kind of struck me as I was laying and thinking and meditating through life, it just some thoughts ran through my mind, and I started thinking about, I wonder why that situation happened like that. I wonder why, God, that you allowed that to happen, in fact, let me think about this a little bit, and I thought about my mother and her faith, and I thought about how she did nothing but be faithful to you all these years, raising us as a single mom and, and, and for, you know, in many respects, and, and, um, <clears throat> and she never wavered in her faith, and she loved the joy of the Lord, and loved children, loved teaching, and, and, and why did that ha- have to go down like that? We, we had a plan. The plan was the retirement would be on the beach. And it'd be a, a sunny, you know, sunshine and, 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 and blue skies and water and sand. You know, that was the plan. God, and I just didn't, started to get too involved in overthinking this situation. And this particular situation did cause me to get to the point of asking, I just don't get it. This should not have happened. And I had this Habakkuk situation overtake me. It really did. And I would tell you that's probably one of the only times that I can remember where this was pretty serious in terms of my faith, in terms of my can I trust God from this point on. And I was a pastor. That's not good for a pastor, by the way. But I was just being honest. I think all of us has gone through that. All of us have been there. We've experienced that. And some of you right now are in this season of doubt and fear and questioning and you've been ripped off, you kind of think, you know, and you tr- your trust in God is being strained and it's being challenged, you know, and you know what it means. <clears throat> it means that you're living in chapter one of Habakkuk. It means, friends, the story's not over. There's a chapter two. There's a chapter three. Your trust may be shaken and you don't know what to believe right now and you don't know why God isn't doing what you thought he would do. That's chapter one. You're wondering, God, where are you? What are you doing? Do you see? Do you care? I don't understand. And that can be an important part of your faith journey. Now, in the case of Habakkuk, God did respond to Habakkuk. He responded to him. But what God said was not what Habakkuk wanted to hear. So it's something we must cover here. God said, Habakkuk, I'm going to actually 
bring judgment on my people, Judah, for their rebellion and their wickedness. And I'm actually going to use an ungodly nation to do it. And so Habakkuk's response, God, that's not right, that's not fear. They're, they're worse than we are. I don't get it. So here's the big question. What do you do when you're in the middle of chapter 1 and you don't understand what God is doing and you're not sure what you believe? You want to believe, but you have so many questions. Can you still be a deeply committed believer with a lot of questions? And the answer is yes, absolutely yes. A deeply committed believer can express simultaneous questions and faith. A deeply committed believer can at the same moment believe God and have faith in God and trust in God and yet still have a lot of questions. I want to give you an example from this uh, in Scripture. Mark chapter 9, New Testament book of Mark, one of the Gospels. Chapter 9, verse 24, you can read it. It was a situation where this uh, father had a son and the son passed away. And the father goes to Jesus and he's like, you know, Jesus, can you do anything about this? And, and, and Jesus says, well, yeah, you know, I'm God. All things are possible with me. That's, the real question is this, do you believe, Jesus said. Do you believe? And the father said this, I do believe, sort of. Sort of. And he says it literally in Mark chapter 9, verse 24. He says, I do believe. Can you help me overcome my unbelief? Wait a minute. He said, can you just help me overcome this struggling, these doubts, these questions? And what he is saying is, yes, there was a time when I really, really did believe. But, but, but what, what you don't understand, Jesus, is, is my son has been hurting, and I've been praying for a long time, and nothing's happened. And I prayed, and I fasted, and I prayed some more, and I took him to every doctor that I've been doing everything your word tells me to do. I've been believing, but nothing is happening. And so my faith is kind of, you know, at a low point, And I do believe, but help me overcome the part of me that's struggling. And so that man was in a season of doubt, and he had some unbelief, but there was a purpose behind it. And I think God let him go to that point so that he could say, okay, now I'm going to do something. Now I'm going to do something that you're not going to believe, and it's going to be so amazing that you'll never doubt that way again. And I know your situation with your son was hard, but you would never have got there to this point of deeper faith unless I'd taken you through this season of doubt. And I submit to you, ladies and gentlemen, that's God's track with Habakkuk. That's what's happening in the life of Habakkuk. He is saying, God, I believe, but I don't understand. I got some questions. This is difficult. It's really hard. And some of you may be living in Habakkuk chapter 1, and you're wondering, you know, uh, what God is up to. So what do you do? What do you do if you're in chapter 1 of Habakkuk? What do you do if you're living in chapter 1 faith? Well, you hang on to God. You hang on to God with all your might, and you don't let him go. No matter what's going on around you, you hold on because no matter what happens, friends, no matter what happens, and even if things seem to get worse, I can promise you this, God will never let you go. Which brings us to chapter 2. So at this point, Habakkuk has, at the, has the idea, but he hasn't been given the why behind the idea. So in chapter 2, verse number 1, the Bible says, and this is Habakkuk, he says, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to climb up to the watchtower, and I'm going to stand at my guard post. And there, I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. I, I'm going to wait here and listen until I, 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 I get an answer from God. And verse 2, 
God does reply, and he says, hey, how about this? Write my answer plainly on tablets. Write my answer down. It's like you wonder, why is he got to write it down? Is this all about the new concept of journaling? I don't think so. No, not yet, at least. Uh, I think what he's saying is, this is something I really want you to remember, so write it down. It's like when Shelly sends me to the store. Here's three things I want you to pick up, right? And I get to the store, and I forget number two and number three. Got number one, felt good about that. Where's number two and number three? Thank God for cell phones, right? You snap a picture, you got it. Where, where's my cell phone? You know, that's how it goes. Why, that's why God says, hey, write this down because I want you uh, to remember this. I want you to understand when you have experience uh, like this, you need to write it down and make sure you do not forget. Look at verse number three. It tells us what God really wanted Habakkuk to understand at this point. At this point, he says, this vision, Habakkuk, is for a future time. It describes the end, and it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, Habakkuk, he says, wait patiently for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. Look at the proud. They trust in themselves. Their lives are crooked, but the righteous will live by their faithfulness to God. A lot of commentators would suggest and tell us that little phrase at the end there. Some of you have seen it before. It's translated or read this way, the just shall live by faith. They would say that that is the crowning moment in all of Scripture. All 66 books, the just shall live by faith. And we'll get there after a while. But when God promises something, you may have to wait a while. That's what he's telling Habakkuk. Some of you right now are in the waiting room. You believe God has shown you something. Maybe you've even written it down, and now you're waiting, and 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 you're wondering, and you're afraid maybe it's not going to happen. Remember this. God's delays are not God's denials. God's delays are not God's denials. When God has promised something, it will come to pass, but we, we may have to wait a while. That is God's word for you today. And so... Through chapter 2, God talks about the difference between the ungodly and the godly and those that trust in him and those that don't. And the last verse in chapter 2, in verse 20, which says, The Lord is in his holy temple, let all the earth be silent before him. It's kind of a crude way of saying it, but I would suggest that what God is saying is Habakkuk, sit down and shut up and trust me. Once again, the way he puts it, he says, hey, you're wondering where I'm at? what I've been doing. I'm here. I hear. I see. I care. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. And the psalmist said, let everyone be still and know that I am God. God has not changed. God has not given up his throne. He is still faithful. So shut up and trust me, Habakkuk. All right, let's go on here. Finally, chapter three. Chapter three, we're going to see something very powerful, we're going to see that even though Habakkuk's circumstances don't change, his faith and his worship of God go to a new level. I mean like a level he's never been to before. You might call it chapter 3 faith. And here's what I want to say to you. This is where you want to get. We want to get to chapter 3 faith. And that's what James talked about. Yes, trials, temptations, uh, things that will uh, test your faith. Hang on. They're creating within you strength and endurance. Good things. 
you're going to go to a new level of faith, an important level of faith, where you will understand that, that, that you are now more usable and, and more uh, trusting and, and a strengthened position that you've never had before. We all want chapter 3 faith, do we not? What don't we want? We don't want chapter 1 and chapter 2. But you can't have the chapter 3 faith if you don't go to chapter 1 and go through chapter 2. That means that at some point in our lives, we may at one point have to go through the chapter 1 where God says, where we have questions and challenges to our faith. Also take us through chapter 2 where he says, wait and wait and wait. Because God's ultimate goal is to build into each of us chapter 3 faith. And that's where God would take us if we let him. So... With that foundation laid, I want to talk about chapter 3 um, in verse 1. Look at this verse. This is the prayer of Habakkuk. He's actually going to sing his prayer. This is a song. They actually sang it back in those days. He sings, I have heard all about you, Lord. I am filled with awe by your amazing works. In this time of our deep need, help us again as you did in years gone by. And in your anger, remember our mercy. God says, I remember, or Habakkuk says, God, I remember all you've done. Not only all you've done in my life, but I've heard about your miracles. I've heard about your power. I've seen some, or I've heard about the deeds. I mean, they're awesome. I heard about all that. But God, you don't seem to be doing that right now. I mean, I don't see that like right in my life. Again, I think we've all felt that way. God, you don't seem to be working in my life the way you did the truth is, in all of our lives, there are seasons, there are periods when God's presence and power seem more evident than at others, and it's not necessarily based on how close you are to God at the moment. God works in different ways in different seasons. So, that's what Habakkuk sees. He says, God, I know about your ways. You showed your presence and your power in the past. Though I don't see it right now, what's he say then? In this time of our great need, he says... Help us again as you did in years gone by. Help us again as you did in years gone by and in your anger we remember your mercy. God, do it again. Renew what you used to do in our day. I, I know that you can do it. I've lived, I've heard all about it. God, do it again. Make them known. So you see, when you're waiting on God and you want to grow in faith, the, the first thing to do is remember what God has done in the past and ask him to do it again. Like David in 1 Samuel chapter 17 went up against Goliath, right? And they said, that's not going to happen. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. What the David said, oh, no, I remember what God did in my past. I'm the shepherd of the flock. I'm responsible for my father's sheep. There was a time when a bear tried to attack us. I took care of the bear because it was my responsibility, and the bear died because I, took, I, I killed him. There's another situation that came up, same kind of thing. You know, a lion attacked, and I took care of the lion. You see, so the way I figure it is, I've seen God work in the past. I know what God can do. And I know, I think this dude, this Goliath guy, I mean, he's going to be the same way. This uncircumcised Philistine will be just like them. I mean, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? Is there not a God in Israel? Of course there is. So God, do it again like you did it before. And we can go after all kinds of examples in the scripture of those types of things of how God showed us and God reminds us and God challenges us to know. And the point is, you and I can do the same as Habakkuk. When life is hard and I'm waiting on God to do something about it, I need to remember what God's done in the past for me and for others. And then ask him, hey, dear Lord Jesus, Father God, do it again. That's the first thing. Do it again.
Remember what God has done in the past and ask him to do it again. Number two is this. Recognize and accept what God is doing right now. So the point of all that is to say, uh, number one, we recognize it, right? Habakkuk recognized it, but he did not like it, and he would not accept it. So he went up high, he sat down for a while and waited and watched and waited, and God fed him and God ministered to him, and now he's at the point where, okay, verse 16, I trembled inside when I heard this. My lips quivered with fear. My legs gave way beneath me. He's talking about the coming of the Babylonians. I will wait quietly for the coming day when disaster will strike the people who invade us. They look fearful. They look, look to be uh, something that, that they're going to overpower us. We're all going to uh, suffer here. It's going to be painful. It's not going to be exciting. This is a bad season, but I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. I'm going to trust. I don't get it. It's not the way I want it. God answered me in a way that I don't like. But I'm going to trust him. Sometimes God does things that we don't understand. Though he promises to always work everything together for our good in the long term, he doesn't always work things together for our comfort and for our ease. So, last thing. One more thing that Habakkuk teaches us is this. Rejoice in what God is doing. I mean, remember what he's done. We're asking him to do it again. And we rejoice in what he's going to do. Verse number 17 makes one of the greatest statements of faith in all of the Scripture. One of my favorite. Verse number 17, 18, and 19. Though the fig trees do not bud, there are no grapes on the vine. Though the olive crop fails and the fields fail to produce food, Though there are no sheep in the pen, no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice. And you say, well, wait, rejoice for what? I mean, it's obviously not a great day here. It's a bad day because you got nothing. I mean, if you're in a farming business and you've got no figs, no grapes, no olives, no, the, the barns are emptied, no crops, no animals. I mean, you have nothing. You have no food. You're going to starve to death. And he is saying, yeah, I, I'm going to rejoice in the middle of that. I choose. I'm going to rejoice. It's easy for us to celebrate and sing to God, you know, with enthusiasm when things go well. When you want to get married and you pray for the perfect mate and you got the perfect mate, right? And, and, and you're like, this is cool. And, and when you want children and you get pregnant, when you need a job and you get a good one, you have bills to pay and money shows up, you know. And when your health is good and your friends are there and it's easy to worship God, but it's hard to worship God when none of those things happen and everything that you're hoping for and longing for and dreaming of does not come to pass. Most of you aren't farmers, don't have figs, grapes, olives, or crops. Maybe it's something like this. Even though my spouse said, till death do us part, and didn't live up to the word, you know, I will rejoice. I will rejoice in God my Savior. Even though I was raised, I raised my kids to know better, and they're making very scary decisions right now, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will rejoice in God my Savior. Even though I've been praying, you know, for someone to get healed, and they've actually gotten worse Yet I will rejoice. I will rejoice in God my Savior. Even though our house won't sell, I can't find a good job. Yet I will rejoice. I will rejoice and be joyful in God my Savior. 
Even though finances are tough and, and it costs $400 you know, to fill the tank with gas these days, I will rejoice in Lord God, my Savior. I will be joyful. Even though I didn't like the way things are, even though I don't understand, even though God could and, and I think he should, but he's not yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I'll be joyful in God, my Savior. Habakkuk basically says, I will rejoice because of who God is. He's sovereign. He's in control. Verse 19, the sovereign Lord is my strength. The word sovereign means the God who rules. The God who has all things under his control and will make it all work out for my good eventually if I'll just trust and be patient. So Habakkuk says, my God is sovereign and just because things aren't going the way I wanted doesn't mean that God is falling off his throne and forgotten about me. Doesn't mean that. So I trust him. The sovereign Lord is my strength, and Habakkuk ends his book by saying he makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. This is interesting. When Habakkuk is saying is this, when problems and conflicts and suffering pile up high, you know, like a mountain in front of me, when circumstances are hard, when darkness seems to cover my life, when sorrow and pain and sickness pile up in front of me like a mountain, then God makes my feet like those of a mountain deer mountain goats so I can walk with confidence right over the top of that mountain. I can keep right on going no matter what comes because the sovereign Lord is my strength and God enables me to rise above anything that comes along and so Habakkuk says I will rejoice no matter what comes. I will worship God no matter what I see. I'll be joyful in God my Savior. And so today right, that's the decision that God is calling us to to that point where it says, I don't get it. I don't understand it. I wish it was a different way, but I rejoice in God, my Savior. I trust Him. He's God. I trust Him. I didn't get what I wanted, when I wanted, how I wanted, with who I wanted, but I trust God. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. I will trust Him. Would you bow your heads with me, please? your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I want to ask you, and we're going to pray here in just a moment, just a simple prayer, just praying for each other, you know, and I may be saying, Pastor Jim, boy, I can really use some prayer right now. And I am going through one of those Habakkuk chapter one and chapter two things. I want to get to chapter three. Would you pray for me? I got some seasons like that, even at this very moment. Would you raise your hand, heads bowed and eyes closed, and just say, yes, that's me. That's me. Keep your hands up for just a moment. Many, many hands. God bless each of you. Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. What's it say? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean to what you, you know. Don't lean to your own understanding. In all your ways, all your decisions, all your behaviors, acknowledge Jesus is Lord. He will direct your path. You may put your hands down. God, in the name of Jesus, I thank you and I praise you for who you are. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. You are God and there is none other. You are creator of all things, the giver and sustainer of life. We bow in your presence, dear Father. We rejoice, Lord, in sins forgiven. We rejoice, Father, with peace that passes all understanding, with joy that is our strength, with love, Lord, for you, for others that carries our days. Today, Father, many 
are looking to you, desiring you. And I pray in Jesus' name that you would encourage their faith, encourage them, Lord, to wait on you, to look to you, to trust you, to release and surrender to your Father. And say, Jesus is my Lord, come what may. Bless your church. Bless, Lord, our friends here. We love them and ask that you'd encourage each of us as we walk day by day. We thank you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.